Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. So these people, the people of Judah, will be exiled. They will go to live in Babylon and in the provinces. And what's more, they will flourish there. The prophet Jeremiah again says in Jeremiah 29, verse 4 to 7, something like, you know, plant gardens, marry, get your kids to marry, have kids, let them have kids, produce, produce crops and do this and do that and flourish there. Pray for the peace of the city. Be part of the place. You guys need to survive until the time when you return. And so... So they flourished there. They did really well there. The people of Israel knew how to make money. They knew how to flourish, and they did it really well there. Some of them became really part of the local culture. Others remained as Jews and wondered why they were in this mess and, and started searching the Scriptures and, and adding to the Scriptures and finalising the Scriptures to discover why they were there. They were there because they'd sinned in a big way. And so... There they are in Babylon, <laughs> and they're doing okay. They're flourishing. And look, Babylon. Babylon's an amazing place. In that time, it was probably the biggest city in the world. It had a lot of people. It was the most modern city. It was the most advanced. The technology for the time was the most advanced. The arts and sciences and literature were just unbelievable. They had museums and libraries and all sorts of things. It was luxurious. If you lived in Babylon, why would you want to live anywhere else? And so that's where they're living in that type of environment. The thing is, Babylon has a way of drawing you away from God, forgetting about how wonderful God is because this place is so comfortable, it's so luxurious, it's so exciting, it's got so many possibilities and opportunities. Some would have forgotten about God and others would have been full of remorse as to why they were there. They discovered as they worked with the Scriptures, they were there because Israel had sinned. And so there's all of this going on. And then you have this thing that they will return to Judah. There'd be mixed feelings. Who likes a bit of comfort? Put your hand up. Who likes lots of comfort? Put your hand up. Who likes some luxury? Who likes living in a tin shed? Well, a couple of you. Basically, that was the deal. You return, you leave, you leave Babylon and the provinces with the luxury and the exciting lifestyle. You go back to Jerusalem, and it's a wreck. The walls are all <laughs> been torn down. We talked about the other that the, the other week, Chad. The walls had been torn down. It was just an absolute mess. The temple wasn't there. The temple had to be rebuilt. The walls had to be rebuilt. And it took years to do all of that. You think about, oh, you just read that in, a few, in half an hour or so. But by the time Nehemiah got there, that was 70 years pretty well after the temple had been finished. And there was no, anyway, I won't go into that. So the thing is, here's the deal. You can stay here and get destroyed, maybe, or in luxury, nothing like getting destroyed in luxury, or you can return and live in pretty well poverty initially and rebuild the place. So 
You have all of this. And so they say, you're going to get... So, so they did return. So they did return. Babylon would be destroyed. So that was all going to happen. But here, Jeremiah says to them, this is what you will say. This is what will happen in the future. You will say this, come, let us announce everything the Lord our God has done. In Jerusalem, you will do this. This is what's going to happen. In the future, you're going to be saying this and you're going to be returning to Jerusalem. So that is, that is their part of their future. So some returned, but Babylon would be destroyed. And for those people, there's a real issue here. You have prophetic words saying this. The lifestyle is good. We've grown up here. We were born here. Our parents were born here. Our grandparents came as exiles and we're here and all these people around here are our friends and neighbours. We've made friends with them. They're not Jews, but we get on really well with them. Some of them would have done that. Our homes are here and this is going to be destroyed. If you read that, that carefully, I'll just go back here to verse 8. Babylon has fallen. Weep for her. Give her medicine. Perhaps she can be healed. We would have helped her if we could, but nothing can save her. Let her go and abandon her. Return to your own land. You can sense a sense of sadness and sorrow there because this, this would be their home that would be wrecked, would be destroyed. Their friends and neighbours would be destroyed in this. And they would return to Judah to rebuild the temple and to rebuild Jerusalem. So we have that. There would be mixed feelings. Some didn't return and stayed there, and there's records of that, and some did. And some of them would have had a grief in their heart that had been there for their whole lives. Maybe they'd come from Jerusalem in the, in, in the beginning. Maybe they'd passed on for their parents, but there was a grief for Jerusalem. For others, there was a burning in their hearts to go back and be part of what God is doing in their home, in the land that God had given them. Jeremiah speaks of this. He prophesies this and tells them that they are to announce what God is doing. Come. Let us announce in Jerusalem everything the Lord our God has done. So this verse still needs to speak to us today. It really does. It was first spoken into the day of Judah before the exile. And then decades later, they reread those words and interpreted it for their time in, ex in, in, in exile. And then later when the exiles returned to Jerusalem, it's reread again and interpreted for that day. And today we reread this scripture and we interpret it for us here today in 2020. I've taken all that time just to get to that point. <laughs> but that, this is really important that we reread the scripture for our day. Yes. Understand it for that day and then out of that reread it for our day. And so we have good things to tell about God. So we could say, God has vindicated us. God has forgiven us. He's set us free from sin and our guilt and our blame. He's cleared us of that. 
This is what the cross does. You don't have any blame anymore if you're in Jesus. He's taken that. You don't have any guilt anymore. He's taken that. You don't have that. You have been cleared of blame and guilt. And God upholds you and defends you. He stands beside you in heavenly courts. He's on your side. You need to know that. This is worth telling people about. Our God is absolutely awesome. I want to say this, and I'll probably say this forever until I leave this planet, is God is first loving and faithful. If you don't remember anything else today, remember that. And when you're in those funny situations, let that come back and shout in your head, God is first loving and faithful. He hasn't dumped you. He hasn't abandoned you. But he vindicates us. He has set us free from all of this stuff that messes up our lives. We need to grab hold of that. So we worship this absolutely incredible, amazing, wonderful God. Now look, I'm going to read something from the book of Galatians. I am so, I sound like a young teenage preacher when I say this. I'm so excited I'm not excited about my message, I'm excited about what Jesus is doing. And this is what it says, Galatians 1.4. If you don't, just write one foot, Galatians 1.4 down. You need to know this, you need to just get this. It's just like, says it all. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. You need to get that into your heart. You can get it into your head. You read it now and it's in your head. But it needs to go from here and into your heart. And when it goes into your heart, it's solid. It solidifies within you and becomes part of you. And it's like the coin needs to drop from your head to your heart. I'll say it again. The coin needs to drop from your head to your heart. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands who hasn't got it in their heart yet. But I suspect at the moment we can just almost hear a few coins dropping. I'm going to read that again. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from the evil in this world in which we live. Now, I know as a preacher I can get up and say all sorts of stuff without having any real idea what's going on in people in the congregation. Those I've talked to, I may know, but I still might not know. But I do know that today, some will be struggling. For some, life will be tough. And next week, you might be all right, and it might be someone else is struggling. And for some, well, really, you're messed up. I get messed up. You get messed up. We all get messed up. Usually, not all at the same time, but you get messed up. And for some, it's like, life's all over. Well, that's not true. Jesus has got his hand upon you. You do have a future. Now, here is a a truth from somewhere. The heart of God, the scripture upholds it. It's not written there. But Jesus likes messed up people. Can we just have that? That, 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 that up there, it'll come up there. There it is. How do you like, do you like that? I'd rather attend church with messed up people who love God than with people who dislike messed up people. There you go. He's a pretty interesting person, author. He's a mate of mine. But God likes messed up people. He loves messed up people. 
Look, when you think about Jesus and the types of people he drew around him to be his disciples, you've got to wonder. You've got to wonder. Most people think of the disciples as being middle-aged men with serious looks on their faces and big beards and somehow wandering around following Jesus. Why do we think that? Because all the paintings from the last few hundred years and sculptures and things like that show, Jesus, show, show that Jesus' disciples look like. Everyone's 50 years older than they actually were. Look, the bulk of the disciples were probably around 17 years old. Peter was over 18 because he was married. He didn't have any children, so he probably wasn't much older. But they were all young blokes. They were all young blokes. And that explains a lot. This explains why they were so scatty, why they, they were impetuous and why they were demanding. And, and you know what they were like. They weren't these serious middle-aged men with beards who had, were full of wisdom. They were still on the way. They were still learning. And Jesus was teaching them. How cool was that? It took them three years to basically for them to run away at the cross. But after the cross... And Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. Wow, you just sort of start to see these, all that stuff that Jesus taught them start to grow. Anyway, see, you need the Holy Spirit too, don't you? You need the Holy Spirit. We're a Pentecostal church. How can you be in a Pentecostal church and not want the Holy Spirit? So anyway, they were scatty. And times, they would have been messed up. Now, in John's Gospel, who likes John's Gospel? Hey, there you go. John chapter 6. Now, Jesus had been teaching and he'd been telling people stuff. And he got to a point where all these disciples he'd gathered didn't like it. They, they, you know, he'd been preaching and he had his 12 and people are starting to follow him. He had all these other disciples and there was lots of them. And you could imagine these young disciples, you know, James and John and some of those, and they'll love him being part of the 12 because they can hang close to Jesus. They've always got access to him and they can tell people, oh, you can't come near him yet because he's busy. You know, it's like going into a mega church and not being able to get to the pastor, the senior pastor and stuff like that. And there's the inner crew. Well, they were like that. They were in this inner crew and Jesus is preaching and, and teaching and they get to bit to do a bit and Jesus is doing miracles and they can, he's teaching them to do miracles. So they're in a really good place. They're just loving life. This is absolutely amazing. And then Jesus offends them, and they're probably thinking, oh, you shouldn't say that, boss, you know, I'm not sure that'll offend them. And offends them, and they still start leaving. And, and you can imagine, they can see all these people going, they're getting anxious, it's messing them up, it's messing with their heads. And what are we going to do here? What are we going to do? And then Jesus turns to them and says, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to leave too? Well, uh, no, um, who are we going to go to? Because... Basically, I'll, I'll read this, listen. So at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. And so for these guys, they were getting anxious. Maybe they were getting messed up. But... They had had a glimpse of eternity. And they knew that they could never leave Jesus because this is the way to eternity. They'd seen it in him. And for many of us here today, we've had a glimpse of eternity in some way or another. And it would be an interesting exercise 
to get people to share in what way they've seen or experienced eternity. For some, it is through <coughs> Jesus and his word. For some, you've had dreams. For some, you, you've had visions or personal experiences some way. But they've had a glimpse of eternity, and many here have had a glimpse of heaven. You need to keep your focus on that. Importantly, you need to keep your focus on Jesus. And almost as importantly, that you live in the day. Yesterday is gone. We don't live in the past. We learn from the past. That helps us to go into the future. And we look to the future, but we're living today with God, who is an eternal, incredible God. <coughs> so, so there you go. We have a future <coughs> and we have a life. And like the disciples, you all have a story. You do. You've got to have a story. Everyone's got a story. You know your story. And what's more, you know your story is true, even if no one else believes it. You know your story is true. And you say, yeah, well, I do have a story, but how do I tell it? Well, you've got to think about it. You don't, when you tell your story, you don't, you're not preaching a sermon. You, you don't have to get super religious. You don't, in fact, don't preach a sermon when you're telling your story. It spoils your story. It really does. I've heard, heard testimonies and I thought, would you stop preaching and tell the story because I want to hear the story. So you've got a story. <coughs> and if you're not sure how to get a story together, here's one way of doing it. Here's a way of doing it. And this really works. Ask yourself, why am I still a Christian? And once you answer that question, you know what your story is. You got that? Is that making sense? Or are you looking all puzzled? <laughs> Ask yourself, why am I still a Christian? Not me, you. <laughs> Ask yourself why you are still a Christian. And you'll have your story. I just want to go back to that Galatians one again because I, I can. And there we go. Um, there we go. God gave his life for our sins <laughs> just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. Look, that is worth shouting about. <clears throat> that is worth saying, come, let us tell about this Jesus who gave his life for our sins. Come, let us tell about this God who planned, planned all of this so that we'd be <coughs> rescued from this evil world. Come, let us tell people about this. The Bible's full of stuff, amazing stuff, just statements about God that, <coughs> that tells us, that tells us things about God. <laughs> now, look at this one. Now, I've got a shoelace undone, so this might be, get pretty interesting if I move around. <laughs> Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32. <laughs> it's not, you know, the, the Pentateuch, that's the first book, five books of the Bible, and especially like Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers. They're not all full of instructions for building the tabernacle or making the utensils or, or what you can do and can't do. <laughs> Listen to this. This is so good. Are you ready for this? He's got it up there. Well, there you go. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. How glorious is our God. He is the God. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright is he. So come, let us 
Tell about this God who is just, whose deeds are perfect, who is glorious, who's wonderful, who is faithful, who can do no wrong. <laughs> so come, let us tell about this God. Let us tell about this Jesus who died for us. There's so much we can tell about him. And you've got a story. <laughs> you've got a story to tell. And this stuff is in your story in some way. You've just got to think about it and work it out. Here... <laughs> We've been sneaky. We have actually started a training program of teaching you to tell your story. We call it the good news, and you get a chocolate for it. <laughs> and, it and look, it's working. Some of the stuff we had this morning was stunning. It was stunning. This is where I think we were hoping this would go, <coughs> and it looks like it's, it's on the way. And so people will, but your good news for today could be anything. It could be an amazing thing, supernatural thing God has done, or as a simple thing is that, you know, I woke up today and, and I feel well. Or as some of the kids say, it's my birthday, or some of the adults. And I was thinking, well, that's worth telling. You know why? Because if you're 10 years old, Jesus has been at every birthday you've had. And what's more, he was there when you were born. And what's more, before time began in, before in eternity, he was dreaming about you and he planned your life. So your birthday is extremely significant in the whole big picture. And so here, <coughs> we're learning to tell stories. Now, the thing is, it's like, you must have been looking at my notes in for PPP. Or did I pinch this out of PPP? It doesn't matter. <coughs> All of us need to do this. We need to start developing a sense of gratitude in our lives. <laughs> and it means to do that, we have to reflect upon what is happening in our lives. Big things and small things. We need to think about what is, what is happening in my life. What is going What am I grateful? So this is what I do. <laughs> I do read my Bible a lot. I read it every day. I'm someone who reads the scripture every day, read from the Old Testament and the New Testament, and I work my way through the whole Bible, and then I start again. And then I make notes about what I've read. And as personal notes, it's, it's not, they're not preaching notes, but occasionally things for preaching come out. But the other thing I do daily is that just before I go to bed, I have another journal, and I just take that out. I write to the days on, so it'll be Sunday the 16th. And on the top of that, I put, today I am grateful for. <laughs> I'll usually do one line, and I have to have at least five things in that. So I have to think through, reflect on the day, what I'm grateful for, and I've developed and growing a sense of gratitude. When you do, you rewire your brains. It's actually a scientific fact that new neural pathways happen and stuff like that, and your brain and your thinking works a lot better. God knows what he's doing. He knows how he's made it. And so it could be something as simple as that I'm, I'm grateful for my breakfast. I love breakfast. <laughs> I absolutely love breakfast. So it could be your breakfast. It could, it could be your wife or your kids. It, it could be something that happened down the street. It could be something that's been very obvious at Jesus. It could be massive. It could be small. It could be something one of your kids or your grandkids just said or the way they looked. And you're just so grateful for that. The important thing is that you find them. And so the thing is, I, do, I find at least five. I can always find at least five, and usually there's more. And I don't try and write pages and pages. It's more one line or a couple of lines at the absolute most. 
And so I have learnt to develop a sense of gratitude. I reflect upon what has happened that day. And when you read the scripture, you reflect upon the scripture. In reflection, stuff happens. And so as we learn to come out and talk about the good news, I challenge you to start reflecting before you come to church on your week. Just sitting there for, for quiet, it doesn't take long, reflect on the week. You know, you might not want to bring it out the front, or you might do, but the whole thing is you are learning to be grateful for God, for the things happening in your life, and it may be something that, is, that you want to share, that you want to share. You got that? Yeah. So the thing is, <coughs> this is a sneaky bit. <coughs> this, is a, this is not just to make us feel good and enjoy church, which we do, that's, that's part of it, but it's a training ground for you to very quickly be able to share something about who you are, something in your life, something of your story, in a few words, in 30 seconds or, le- or more, maybe 30 to 60 seconds, out there in the community. You could be, <laughs> say, lining up to go to the checkout, and things are all going wrong in the checkout. Some of the customers in front of you are giving that teenager there a really hard time, who's actually doing a really good job, and, but they're, and that, they're giving them a hard time. But you've got something to share, perhaps, and, and you just get the nudge and you share with the person just behind you. They might say something and you, you just have the appropriate opening. You're getting this? You're getting this? Hey, you're getting this? Yeah, you're getting this? Okay. <laughs> so if, as you know what's going on in your life, what God is doing, there are times where you'll, you'll be able to share this. Time and time again, I'll come out of veg out. And the, the young they're usually young, and they say, have you had a good day? Oh, yeah, I have. What have you been doing? So I'll tell them. And sometimes it's a God thing, and they'll take that all in. But there's only seconds to basically deliver that. You could get to that kid on the checkout who's been getting a real hard time, and you could just look at him and, come on, hurry up. I want to get through here. And say, oh, how are you going? You know, gee, I really love coming through your checkout. I've been through it before. You're always bright. You're always happy. You always lift everyone that comes up, even though there's some, been some real grumpy people going through, most people get lifted, and sometimes you've got that opportunity to speak something of God into them. But do you want to tell you that I can just see the hand of God on you? God loves you. I don't know how many people Maureen's reduced to tears by telling them that God loves you without virtually saying much else. Um, I'm not going to just go on with this. I could keep going. It's important to know your story, but also know bits of your story, bits and, and have them worked out through reflection daily, jotting things down. And you can do this. You can all do this. I'll just tell you a story, and I'll get more in to come up and say something. We need a mic too. So <coughs> you've all got a story. So there was this church, as sort of a fairly traditional <coughs> evangelical type church, and they had their baptismal services in the church, and afterwards everyone gets up and gives their testimony. So this seven-year-old girl gets baptised and gets up to give her testimony. And basically, this is what she said. I was a poor, lost sinner. I wandered for years in misery, lost in my sin, a lonely, poor, lost sinner, and then I met Jesus. I wonder who's, who, who her role model was. Anyway... Here in Bayside, you constantly get challenged and told that when we do stuff, there is stuff that is done outside of Bayside, and this is Bayside. 
Well, Chad could be speaking overseas. This is Bayside. If Maureen and I go to, say, somewhere like Millicent or Narracourt and speak, this is Bayside doing something. If we sit with some pastors in another town who are struggling, this is Bayside, this is Bayside at work. So there's things like that. And so something happened last weekend, totally unplanned, totally unexpected, never thought this, never even, ever would have even thought about this. We got a phone call. So I'll get Maureen to come up and share this. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we have a mic, please, Chad? Oh, he's got one. On the, on the Thursday night, I'd been with Jay and a few others, and we'd been talking about, you know, come letters. And, you know, we, come letters, Bayside, we have good news. And Jay was saying she'd been, you know, going, speaking to God, and she sees how we have people ringing Bayside saying, can you send someone? We need someone. The hospital, the schools. Anyway, I was out at the Anchorage, which I never really do, on the Friday. And, <laughs> That's um, a joke. <laughs> and um, I, I had a phone call, and, and it was from the Salvation Army captains. And they said, look, we, we have a bit of a problem. We're actually sat here with some of our leaders, and we have a camp in the campsite. Uh, it's a private school from Adelaide. There's 100 students who have actually gone through some real trauma but they haven't sent any counsellors or chaplains with them and they've just, you know, we've just had a call and, you know, we were just thinking about it and um, can you do anything? So I came home, talked to Rob and I rang the guy who's managing the campsite and I said, hi, my name's Maureen Moores and he goes, oh, you're Bayside. I know you and Rob from Bayside. And so last, not last weekend, the weekend before, Rob and I spent the weekend in a, a music camp with 100 from year 70, year 12 students hanging out, having lunch, having dinner, listening to concerts, watching rehearsals, just being the presence of Bayside. And it wasn't Maureen's school chaplain. It was Maureen and Rob from Bayside. So Bayside, come let us. We're good? We're good? We're good. Sounds like we're good. Okay. We're nearly there. Whoops. How did I do that? This is, I just, in, in the name of Jesus, just heal this, this thing I just did. That, that's going to slow me up. It's going to hold, keep my hands together. How am I going to manage? I can't talk. I can't talk. It's definitely, I can't talk. Anyway, I'm just going to hold that. I hope people aren't going to get too bothered about a bit of blood and white, you know. So, <laughs> but isn't that an amazing thing? Bayside is getting known in different ways. And when we do stuff outside of Bayside, it is not who you are or Robert Maureen or whatever, it's Bayside that is doing it. This is the ministry of the church. And the church needs to be known for this, beyond our walls and beyond our borders. And that's happening. That's happening. So God <laughs> is first loving and faithful. This is worth knowing. This is worth keeping in your mind and heart that God is first <laughs> loving 
and faithful. You have a story. So who do you tell? Well, you could ask the Holy Spirit to line someone up and just, just tell anyone who'll listen. You could do that. Tell anyone who'll listen of what God has done in your life and what he's doing <coughs> and how he has more for you. And then tell the person that God has something for them and more for them in their life. God has huge promises for us, massive promises. He promises forgiveness. He promises to set us free from, from sin and from darkness and despair and turmoil. He promises, us this, promises all of this. He promises the kingdom of God. And even though at this stage it is not a physical place, but it's under the rule of God, in Jesus we experience the kingdom of God. When we know him, we have a touch of the kingdom. We have a touch of eternity. And he promises us the Holy Spirit. You have a story. And your story needs to be told. The Holy Spirit put a burning in the heart of the prophet Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, it says this, His word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like fire in my bones, and I grow weary of holding it in. Ask the Holy Spirit to put a burning in your heart to tell your story in a way that it'll be heard. Ask him to put something in your heart that cries, come, let us tell about everything the Lord our God has done. Come, let us tell everyone about Jesus and the amazing things that he's done and is doing today. So I've finished, but I really want to pray over you, and then we're going to worship for a bit. How's that sound? So we just stand. <coughs> so look to heaven, lift your heart, Lift your hands to him who is on the throne and yet is here with us. Holy Spirit, would you come and fall upon this place? Open heaven, Lord. Open heaven and let your glory fall upon your people. Let your spirit reign, Lord. Flow through our minds and hearts, lifting us, healing us, empowering us to be men and women of God, to be your sons and daughters, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. I pray that you would put that burning in our hearts like you did the prophet Jeremiah, a burning for your word, a burning for the things of God. I pray, Lord, that there'll be some here today will never be the same again, that your word would burn through their hearts and you'd open things up in their minds of stories that they can share and somehow have courage to share with someone there out, out of the walls of this church. Burn in people's hearts, Lord. 
a desire to share the things of God, to share stories, to tell about Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, that there'll be those that would go out of here today with already stories to tell someone of how God spoke to them today, how God healed them today. I pray, Lord, for those today who are struggling with illness, Holy Spirit, that you would come and whisper into their hearts that you've got hold of them, that you'd bring healing and you'd bring hope and a story. Jesus, you are awesome. And today we shout about you, how amazing you are, that we will announce here in Victor Harbour and beyond about the incredible things our God has done. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day. Bye.